When I was a kid, not even when I was a kid, still to this day, I always felt like God was mad at me. God was angry with me. Any of you ever feel that way? You ever feel like God is angry with you? Like, or, or if not angry, then he's severely disappointed in you. I, I have really just, when I was a kid, uh, and, and even yet to this day, I always felt like I, I, I was such a screw-up that, that God could not possibly you know, truly love me, and that he must be really disappointed in me, and, and probably really angry with me. Like God was this strange uh, combination of Ralph Cramden and Zeus. One of these days, Sean, one of these days, pow, zoom to the moon with you. That's how I felt. And God was always angry with me, and, and, and I couldn't go to him with my doubts or my fears I couldn't go to him with my sins because that would just result in more anger that, that God was angry with me for the the things that I said or the things that I thought or the things that I did or the things that I didn't do that God was always angry with me you ever feel that way I told you before about my my favorite far side cartoon and this is what it looks like it's uh, a uh, God at his computer is what it's called. And uh, it, you see this uh, dopey looking guy walking down the street and there's a piano precariously hanging above his head and God's got his finger over a button that says smite. And that God's sitting at his computer looking at Sean just waiting to push that smite button. Oh, you did it again, kid. Pow, zoom to the moon with you. You let me down again, Sean. Smite. Can't shake that habit, Sean. Smite. Can't get rid of that sin, Sean. Smite. You ever feel that way? I think we all have a misunderstanding about God. I think we all have a misunderstanding about who he is and what he does and what he's like. We have this misunderstanding about God that somehow we feel like he is sitting at his computer just waiting to smite us. And then we feel like we can't come to him. We feel like we can't turn to him. We feel like he's a million miles away. And, and it's our fault. That he's somewhere sitting on a cloud just ticked off at the world and just waiting to push that smite button on us all. And who could blame him? I mean, we have made a mess of this world. We have made a mess of things. Murder and violence. Lies and gossip. Look at the presidential campaign. How, how could, if you were God, what would you do? Smite. <laughs> Big time. Right? I mean, there's just, we've made a mess of things. And, and we wonder, why doesn't God just wipe us all out? Except for the fact, that, well, at least he wouldn't by flood. He didn't say anything about raining fire from the sky. Why wouldn't God just wipe us all out? Because we have really messed things up. Time and again, we keep messing up. And so we have this misunderstanding about God that he's really angry with us. He's really mad at us. And, and we want to believe, we, want, we desperately want to believe that God is love. We desperately want to believe that God loves us. We desperately want to believe that God is a good, good father. We sing this song, right? You're a good, good father. And we, I heard it on the radio this morning. We want to hear, we want to believe that. And yet, some, something deep inside of us is scared is terrified that, that he's not. 
Or maybe you grew up in a home where you didn't have a good earthly father and it has messed up your view of God as your heavenly father. That you look at God and think, my dad was abusive or my dad yelled a lot. My dad was angry all the time. And, and, and I just can't trust God as my heavenly father. I can't believe that he really does love me because of what I grew up with. And so you transfer the, the anger that you felt from your earthly father to your heavenly father and you don't believe that he really does love you and that he's not angry and disappointed all the time. And that's hard. And, and we want to believe that God is a good father. But yet sometimes it seems so hard to believe. We've got the whole Zeus mentality, the smite button thing going on that this is somehow what we deserve. And we can't believe that he's good. We can't believe that he loves. We're, we're starting a new series today called Your God is Two, dot, dot, dot. And over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about our misunderstandings of who God is. Uh, today, we're talking about your God is too angry. And I think sometimes we have this view that God really is angry with us all the time. We're also going to talk over the next three weeks after today, we're going to talk about how your God is too safe. We're going to talk about how your God is too small. And we're going to talk about how your God is too boring. So that's where we're going to go over the next three weeks. And then starting on September 11th, our Back to Church Sunday, we want to get everybody excited about coming back to church. We're going to have the luau that night and a family fun fest. We're going to have a great time that day. I want to encourage you to invite your friends. Come check it out. We're going to start a new series on the, on the book of James called Where the Rubber Meets the Road and what it's like to live out our faith on a practical daily basis. So that starts September 11th, goes through the fall, then we'll be at Christmas. And I don't want to think about that because that means snow. Now, I want you to grab your Bible, turn to Psalm 103. We're looking at a psalm today uh, that talks about this idea of God being slow to anger. Uh, it's on page 428 of the chair Bible, of the Bible in the chair in front of you. If you didn't bring your Bible, it's on page 428. Uh, if you want to use your favorite smartphone app or tablet app, go ahead. Uh, like I said, I always say I prefer... Uh, I prefer Bible Gateway versus version, but either one is fine uh, if you want to use your smartphone app. And, and, and here in Psalm 103, uh, we're going to take this in a little bit of chunks, in little, little chunks throughout the, the 22 verses that are there. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, the kind of the, the background of this a little bit. It's a psalm of David. David wrote this psalm as he recalled what God had done for Israel back in the days of Moses. And we're going to see a quote from Moses in just a moment, from, from the book of Exodus in just a moment, um, as we talk about uh, how God is compassionate and God is slow to anger and he abounds in love. And, and we're going to talk about God today and, and how I really don't think he's, he's as angry with us as we think he is. So in Psalm 103, we're going to look at the first uh, Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5, and then we're going to look at verses 19 through 22. Because David begins and ends the psalm with praise, praising God for what he's done. Now, like I said, this psalm, uh, we'll get to that in just a second. Let's, let's read the first five verses and then the last four. So Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. 
who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems or rescues your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now flip over to verses 19 through 22. It says, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And so he begins with this call to praise. Praise the Lord, O my soul. He ends it with the same words. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And in the middle of this psalm, he's going to talk about all the reasons why we should praise the Lord and why should we honor God and why we should worship God and why we should praise God. And if you see there in the first couple of verses, he talks about the benefits of God, of knowing God, of being in a relationship with God, that he forgives all your sins, he heals all your diseases, he redeems your life from the pit, he rescues you, rescues you from the pit of despair. He crowns you with love and compassion, and that's what this whole psalm is all about, is God's love and compassion. He satisfies your desires with good things and he renews your strength like a, a mighty eagle. This is what God does. These are the benefits of knowing God and being in a relationship with God. Forgiveness and healing. Rescue. Strength. This is what God does for his people. And this is the reason why we should praise him and glorify him and honor him. When we come together on a Sunday morning, it's not just to see our friends. It's not just to hear a, a, a message from the Bible. It's to praise God. It is to honor him and glorify him and sing songs to him and to thank him. That's what we do here. That's what this whole thing is about. So in the next few verses after this first part here, in verses 6 through 8, like I said, there's a, a story from the Old Testament uh, that I want to talk about for just a moment. Moses and the people of Israel had been rescued from 400 years of slavery in Egypt, and they had been rescued from bondage, and they were wandering in the wilderness, and Moses goes up on Mount Sinai in Exodus, and, and he gets the Ten Commandments. And then later he goes up on the mountain, he's up on the mountain, and uh, he hears the sound of revelry in the camp below. And what has happened is, is that uh, Moses' brother Aaron, the high priest, has crafted a golden calf for the people to bow down and worship to and offer, and offer sacrifices to, saying that this is your God who brought you out of Egypt, a golden calf. And God is like angry. So much so that he says, tell you what, Mo, I'm going to wipe them all out and I'm going to start over with you. All the promises I made to Abraham, they're yours now. I'm going to wipe them all out. Moses pleads with God for the people. He pleads with them, with him. And God, the Bible says that God relented of his anger. He repented. He turned around from his anger. He changed his mind. He said, all right, I'm not going to destroy them. And then Moses asks a favor of God. He wants God to pass by him. He wants to get a glimpse of his glory. And in Exodus 34, God 
does that. And in verses 5 through 7, it says, The Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him, Moses, and proclaimed his name, the Lord. This is verse 6. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. And we see that Moses is able to just get a tiny glimpse of the glory of God. He can't see his face, but he can see his, his glory. And God proclaims his name to Moses. The Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. And it's this thought that comes to mind in David's mind as he writes Psalm 103. Pick it up in verses 6 through 8. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. And here you go, verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. That very thing that we just read from Exodus 34, it comes to David's mind and David says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious. I want to give you a little Hebrew lesson this morning. There are four Hebrew words that are used in this verse to describe God in verse 8. The first is uh, the word for compassionate means it's rachum. You don't have to say it like that. You can say rachum. Um, not raccoon, raccoon. Uh, so rakum means uh, there's a forgiving relationship there. And they got us compassionate. He is not punishing when punishment is deserved. He is compassionate. The next word is the word for gracious, which is kanun. And it means being merciful to the needy and repentant. And, and when we are needy from God, when we need his forgiveness, and when we repent from our sins, God forgives us our sins. For he is gracious, he is merciful. The next word uh, is slow to anger in the English. In the uh, Hebrew is Eric. It means long-suffering. It means patient. Oh, how we need the patience of God. Because we test it so often. With our sin, with our doubts, with our fears, with our struggles. He is slow to anger. And finally, he is abounding in love. And this is the word kesed. And it is a word that means covenant love. It is God's love that he has for his people. It is a love that is based on a relationship that he is abundant, it says, in loving kindness. Overflowing with love. Isn't that a great thought? That God is slow to anger. And like I said, maybe you had a dad who was just a, had a violent temper. And he would lose his temper. That's not God. That's not what God does. God doesn't lose his temper with us. He is slow to anger. Abounding in love. And that love was demonstrated on the cross of Jesus Christ. When Jesus laid down his life for us and gave his life for us, he suffered and died for us. I heard a pastor and author once say that God has no more wrath for you. He has no more wrath for you because he poured it all out on Jesus on the cross. He poured out all his wrath for you on Jesus, his son. 
And now if you will believe in Jesus and repent from your sins, confess your faith and be baptized, God will wash away your sins and you can enter into this loving relationship with God based on his grace through faith in Jesus. And then God will not only wash away your sins, he'll come to live in your life through the Holy Spirit. He will change your life and transform your life from the inside out. God wants to forgive you. He wants to wash your sins away because he loves you. He is slow to anger. He is abounding in love. He is kind and compassionate. Pick it up in verses 9 through 12. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he's removed our transgressions from us. God wants to forgive our transgressions and our sins. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, Peter wrote, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, slow to anger, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God's greatest desire, his deepest desire, is that everyone in his creation would come to repentance, would repent from their sins and turn to Jesus for forgiveness and salvation. Paul repeats this thought when he talks to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2, 4 through 6. says, God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. That God wants to forgive everyone. And, and David wrote that he will not harbor his anger forever. He will not hold on to his anger forever. Uh, the word harbor means to keep in mind. That he will not be angry forever. In fact, he is slow to anger. Abounding in love. Slow to anger. He is, does not have a violent temper. He is slow to anger. And this is repeated throughout scripture. This idea that God is patient with us. Slow to anger. And in verses 9 through 12, we see that God removes our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. He forgives our transgressions. He forgives us over and over and over again. And when God forgives, he what? He forgets. In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, it says, I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. In Hebrews ten seventeen, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. When God forgives you all your sins, he forgets them. As far as the east is from the west, east is from the west, he removes your transgressions from you. He takes them and throws them as far away from you as he possibly can. That's a long way. God's got a good arm. I think he might be a southpaw, but God removes your sins from you as far as the east is from the west. He forgives them and forgets them. He chooses to remember them no more. He's not some absent-minded professor who's like, oh, I forgot to mix the chemicals. No, God says, I deliberately willingly and willfully choose to forgive you and to remove your sins from you as far as the east is from the west. 
This is the God that I long to know. And I pray that this is the God that you long to know. The God who is not angry and not violent, doesn't have a violent temper, but rather God who is slow to anger and compassionate. When I think about God's compassion, I think about the story of the prodigal son. If you know the story of the prodigal son from Luke chapter 15, you know that uh, the, the prodigal son uh, went to his father. This young, uh, young son goes to his father and says, Father, I want my inheritance now. Basically says, I wish you were dead. Because if you were dead, I could have my inheritance. And let's tell you what, I don't want to wait that long. Give it to me now. So he goes to his father and says, give me my inheritance. And the father agrees. The father says, okay. He doesn't like strike him. Uh, he doesn't ground him. He just says, okay. And he takes his share of the inheritance. And he goes to a faraway place. And he parties it up with wine, women, and song. And then all of a sudden, a, a famine hits the land. And when this famine hits, the guy runs out of money. And his friends run out on him. And, and then... He's scraping the bottom of the barrel, trying to make ends meet, feeding pigs. This good little Jewish boy is feeding pigs, the most unclean of all animals. And he comes to his senses, Jesus said. My, the, the servants at my father's house are living better than I am. I'm going to go home, I'm going to beg my dad for a job. Maybe he'll just hire me. I can at least get out of the pig pen. And so he goes home. He starts for home. And I can imagine this young man just rehearsing the speech the whole way home. Father, I'm a mess up. Father, I screwed up. Father, I, I totally messed up. I, I don't deserve your forgiveness. I, I'm not even asking for your forgiveness. Father, just, just let me work for you. Just let me, just give me a roof over my head so I can, just let me work for you. And then Luke 15, 20 says this. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. This is the God of compassion who loves us and heals all our diseases and forgives all of our sins and removes them as far as from us as far as the east is from the west. He runs to his son, not to strike him on the cheek, but to throw his arms around him and to hug him and welcome him home. My son, my son, you're home. He does not run to him in anger. He runs to him in compassion. This is our God. He is not angry with you. He has compassion for you. And the way I know this is if you look in verses 13 through 18. It says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children and with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey him his precepts our God is an everlasting God and he loves us from everlasting to everlasting he has compassion on us from everlasting to everlasting he is eternal 
and He eternally loves you. This is the compassion of Jesus. This is what sent Jesus to the cross because He couldn't bear the thought of eternity without you. That's what sent Jesus to the cross because He wants to spend forever with you and with me too. You're stuck with me. So what do we do? Knowing that we have this God who is not angry with us. Knowing that we have this God who does not lose his temper with us. We do likewise. We try to be like him. James 1.19 says this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Just like God. So, so you may be looking at your kids this week, whether they're grown kids or little kids, and whether you may be looking at your kids and going, you are driving me crazy, and you may want to lose your temper, and you may want to be quick to anger, and you may feel that anger just <laughs> slow to angry. Slow to angry. Pull it back in. You may look at your spouse Say, you are driving me. You keep doing this. You do it. Oh, you can't, but you're still doing it. Slow to angry. You may look at your parents, teenagers. You may look at your parents and go, you are driving. You are frustrating me. Why are you on my case? Why are you all over me? Slow to angry. Your coworker doing that thing that they do. Playing their music too loud. Talking bad about you. Talking bad about your mama. Okay, you can get angry. No. Slow to angry. Whatever situation, whatever relationship you're in that is just causing your blood to boil, that temperature to go up, slow to anger. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Because this is who God is. And this is how he treats us. And if we'll do this, if we will control, if we will keep our tempers in check, if we will keep the anger in check. The, the world is full of anger, folks. The world is full of anger. We don't need to add to it. We need to be the antidote to it. And that is being like our good Father who is loving and compassionate, kind and gracious, and slow to become angry. Your God may be too angry, but I'm telling you right now, He is not. He is your loving, heavenly Father. Father God, thank you for being slow to become angry. Though we deserve your wrath and though we deserve your, your punishment, though we deserve your anger, you, we deserve to have you lose your temper with us for we are not good, but you are good. And the Bible tells us 
that you are slow to become angry, and for that we give you thanks and praise. We stand here with David, praising your name today because you are slow to become angry. You do not treat us as our sins deserve. You do not lose your temper with us, but instead, God, you forgive us over and over again. And for that, we thank you and praise you today. We pray that you would receive these offerings of praise today, and now I ask that, God, if you would... Uh, if you would forgive us, if you would be kind to us, that if you would be gracious to us, that you would receive our praises as thankful people. And Lord God, now we pray for those who are, who are hurting today, who may feel like they're afraid of you because they're afraid that you're going to be angry with them. I pray that you would speak that peace to their hearts through Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.